yeah, it's the eighth ring Dr. Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets. Get on board. Grab a seat. Enjoy the ride. This train is going to take you on a journey. We'll be looking at local high school football, athlete spotlight, HBCU football news, as well as some college football previews. So it's the Ace Brain Sports Podcast. Buckle up. Enjoy the ride. Train about start rolling. Ace Brain Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor, Anthony This portion of the A-Train podcast is sponsored by The Health Connection with three locations to serve you in Wichita, 1709 West Douglas, 3101 North Rock Road, number 170, and 1001 Rose Hill Road, Rose Hill, Kansas. Not just on the national scene, but also on the local scene. This will be my high school feature athlete spotlight as I picked up a story and it came spotlighted on Wichita East High. I hope I don't butcher this last name, but the first name is Toby Osinsani. Surprised his own aunt off the field. And this is a story that I have to give credit to, and I hope to get her on here one day by Joanna Chadwick. But a conversation with Wichita East linebacker Toby Osinsami is an education. Just when you think he's going to answer a question, just like every other athlete has in the history of sports, he veers into a different direction. For instance, Osinsami has got speed, but when you start talking about his speed, he turns it into a conversation about chemistry. He said, we prepared for it, and we were running together and making sure our handoffs were great. He said of East 400 Relay team that he helped win the Classics A championship in May. We were making sure we were cool with each other coming together. And when asked to analyze his own skills on the football field, he surprised again. My skills are reading the situation, he said. I'm trying to predict the play they're going to run. It's a 
it's third and 15, they won't run the ball. So I communicate with my team. Communication is my second skill with effort being my third. I want to do everything 100%. I try not to put my physical gifts as a skill. They can be taken away from me. I put my skills as mental things which I can control. A son Sami, who is six foot two, two hundred ten pounds, has committed to play at K State. It's the school I've been looking at. He said, "It's not too far from home, and my sister went there. They have a good engineering program. Their football is also a developmental program. They develop their players instead of just having all the best players. They choose people who they see potential in and try to get them where they want to be, so they can be a five-star player later." Osin Sanmi has helped East improve over the past two years, including going five and four when he was a sophomore and eight and two as a junior and advancing to the six A playoffs. I feel like we have a better can have a better season, he said. We can improve on last season with the players we've got and the team chemistry that we have. Our schedule isn't easy, and we'll have to play to our full potential, he added. Potential. We added Hayes and Capeland to the list, and Northwest is a traditionally good team. Let me also say right there, by mentioning Northwest High School, Northwest is that team that usually steamrolls everybody. That was not the case last year when they took on East. If I'm correct, I believe that score was like 12 to 7. That was the first time Northwest hadn't scored 50-plus in the game on City League or G-Wall competition. So. East must be doing something over there, and they would be worth watching. Could they be a player in the city league? And if all indications based on last year and with what they have come back holds true, it could be a very interesting year in the city league. Anyway, he said, it's up to us to keep a winning record and set it up for the rest of the years to come. The players we have are talented players, but it's the chemistry and the relationships working together. Last year, we worked together the best. We communicated. There was no arguments on the team. That's all that's needed to keep a good record going. Toby has played quarterback, receiver, defensive end, but he likes his spot at linebacker. You're in on the run and on the pass. You make plays all over the field, he said. My speed helps me in some situations with covering the outside, but I feel that speed doesn't play a part when you're on the inside or the middle of the field, and they're running between the offensive line. My speed isn't getting me to tackles. It's the effort I put in and the strength and the skills that I have. Toby is an effort guy. I don't like to lose, he said. I make sure I put my all into everything that I have so I don't have any excuse. And no one can come up to talk to me that I didn't put my all into the game. So there is a look at a little bit of local action there my feature on high school athletics here in the wichita area so we know that high school football season is around the corner so get out and support these young men that are giving their all. Last year, we know, was one of those trying years as they played in a pandemic season when it looked like they weren't going to get the opportunity to play. 
So this year, with fans being able to be in the stands, get out and support these young men. When you stop and think about what they have to put their bodies through to entertain people in the heat of the summer. So, yes, please get out and support. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to shift over and I'm going to look at a little bit of HBCU news, HBCU sports, as it pertains to college football as well. Uh, as you know, I am kind of, I try to be big on it, but I haven't been as active on it. But today, you're going to get it here on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, which is, which is why I come out and say, buckle up and draw the ride, because you never know which way and what direction this train is going to go. So looking at some HBCU football preview, HBCU football preview, will UAPB, which is University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, contend for a SWAC title in the fall? The Golden Lions were picked to finish fifth in the SWAC West Division with 11 players selected to the all-SWAC preseason team. So let's just take a look at this right now. University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, UAPB Golden Lions are coming off a 2021 spring season in which they finished with a 4-0 conference record, 4-1 overall, making their first SWAC championship appearance since 2012. They lost 40-33 to Alabama A&M Bulldogs. Same team that beat the Golden Lions in, 2000, in the 2006 SWAC championship game. Golden Lions did not seem to impress many in SWAC's spring season. Predicted order of finish as they were picked to finish second to last in the SWAC West Division. So, why are the Golden Lions being overlooked? Well, for starters, their division is expected to be much stronger in their first full season back. Alcorn State Braves, who sat out the 2021 spring season, will be returning to the field looking to win their third SWAC championship in four years. Despite UAPB beating the Southern Jaguars in the spring, the Jags are expected to be a serious contender in the SWAC, led by potential SWAC defensive player of the year and reigning Buck Buchanan award winner Jordan Lewis. Preview A&M who the Golden Lions defeated during the spring season on their home field, snapping a seven-game losing streak in the process will host the Golden Lions on September 30th. UAPB has lost four straight games to the Panthers on the road, with their last win coming in 2011. During the season, the Golden Lions led the conference in penalties, averaging 87.2 yards lost per game. Furthermore, they have not finished with a winning record in conference in conference in a full 11-game season since 2012, last time they won the SWAC championship. So, will the Golden Lions be a contender in the SWAC? A lot could work in favor of UAPB to see the team make a second straight appearance in the SWAC championship game. While the Golden Lions were picked to finish fifth in the SWAC West Division, they had 11 players selected to the all-SWAC preseason team. Good for the most selections among all teams. On the defensive end, the Golden Lions led the conference in sacks, 21, and interceptions, 8. They were one of two teams to score a touchdown off an interception in the spring season. UAPB led the SWAC in run defense, allowing just 106.4 yards rushing per game and 3.2 yards per carry. 
They tied for the lead in third down defense, only allowing their opponents to convert on third down 32.4% of the time. The Golden Lions were also great on special teams, scoring the most on returns, including two punt return touchdowns and a kick return touchdown. They were one of two teams to score at least one return touchdown. If the Golden Lions were able to continue to do what worked well for them in the spring and improve on what did not, it is possible they are able to make a second straight SWAC championship appearance. He game on the UAPB Golden Lions schedule. Week three versus Alcorn State. Golden Lions week three matchup since Alcorn State will be their first conference game of the season. This will also be the first matchup of these two teams since Alcorn State moved to the SWAC West Division. Alcorn State is the only team in the SWAC that did not play a single game in the spring. Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman do not count as they were still members of the MEAC. Alcorn State has appeared in six of the last seven SWAC championship games, winning four and was picked in the SWAC's predicted order of finish to win the West Division. If the Golden Lions can win this game, it could put them ahead of the curve in a bid for a second straight SWAC championship game appearance. Week 6 versus Southern. In the spring season, the Golden Lions escaped with a 33-30 road victory over Southern. This game was a catalyst in the Golden Lions winning the SWAC West as they finished 4-0 in conference play while the Jags finished 4-1. The win for UAPB also snapped a seven-game losing streak against, the, against Southern. The biggest difference this time around is that this will be a mid-season matchup instead of each team's first game like it was last season. Going up against a mid-season form Southern Jaguars defense led by Jordan Lewis will be a good test for UAPB. This game is another that could be crucial in crowning a Swipe West Division winner. Week 11 versus Alabama A&M. In the season's final game, In the season's final game, UAPB will face off against Alabama and AM in a rematch of the spring SWAC championship game. In that game, the Golden Lions had success containing an explosive Bulldogs offense, recording five sacks and 16 tackles for a loss leading 26-18 at the half. However, Alabama and AM stepped on the gas in the second half, outscoring UAPB. 22-7 in the second half to take the win. Led by reigning Deacon Jones Trophy winner, Akil Glass. The Bulldogs arguably have the best team from top to bottom in the SWAC. They are being selected by many to win their second straight conference title, clinching a berth in the Celebration Bowl. This game is a great opportunity for the Golden Lions to put a spoiler in what could be a preview of the conference championship game. So there you have a little bit of news related to HBCU. And I also have some more HBCU news to get to you. One of those, what you would call it, feel-good stories. There is one player who is not using his handicap as an excuse not to excel in the sports that he loves. I'll tell you more about that 
and the other side is break. You are listening to the A Train Sports Talk podcast. Stay tuned. I have more to come. The A Train Sports Talk podcast, and this train is now building up a head of steam. So, stay in your seatbelts. We will be right back after a word or two from my sponsor. Old tight. We will be right back. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. I'm Nick. And I'm Adam. And we're cheering from the cheap seats, and you're listening to the A-Train Sports Podcast. Whoop, whoop! Just get on into that right now. Welcome back into the A Train Sports Talk podcast. And there's a story, like I said, that got my attention. And I'm like, I definitely have to share this with us because oftentimes in this life, we let minor setbacks derail us. And to some point, Make us throw in the towel until you get a story like this. You may not have heard of him, but after today, you will definitely know who he is. 
Hansel Emanuel had one of the most viewed high school basketball online had been one of the most viewed high school basketball online in recent months. His dazzling performances on the AAU circuit made waves on social media. But despite becoming an internet sensation, Emmanuel had yet to receive a single college offer due in large part to having just one fully functional arm. That right there should get your attention. That all changed this week when Emmanuel picked up an offer from Tennessee State. Blessed to receive my first D1 offer from Tennessee State University, he posted on social media Thursday. At the age of six, Dominican Republic born hoop star lost his left arm when a wall came down on him and trapped him for two hours, requiring amputation below the shoulder. But despite his life altering injuries that forced him to give up baseball, Emmanuel saw it as a blessing. God always has a purpose. I'm living his mission, what he wants me to do in this life, he said. It's not about what I want to achieve or do in life. It's what God wants from, from me. Here. So that was a little short snippet on a young man who has overcome a setback and has excelled in other areas. How he wanted to be a baseball player end up picking up basketball and I am going to do my best to get more on that story but it was a little short quick story and I just want to share that you know to keep us anybody that listens to this podcast you know just keep us encouraged that we're going to have setbacks in life but it's what we do when we face those setbacks are we going to succumb to them or are we going to overcome um, down. And this is the era of, as we know it, NIL, name, image, and likeness. And it's not just limited to the Power Five schools, but also the HBCU schools as well. So let's just take a look at what's going on. Norfolk State's Raekwon Smith becomes first HBCU athlete to partner with East Bay. Smith is just one of many HBCU athletes taking advantage of what is a golden opportunity for college athletes to gain exposure for themselves as a brand. Norfolk State running back Raekwon Smith is taking full advantage of his NCAA name, image, and likeness. NIL rights becoming the first HBCU athlete to partner with popular athletic brand East Bay. Smith was featured in an ad for the brand with the tagline, hashtag, be the one displaying his excellent footwork in on-the-field drills. Red shirt sophomore out of Richmond, Virginia, played in seven games during the 2019 season and rushed 430 yards on 84 carries. 
Smith is just one of many HBCU athletes taking advantage of what is a golden opportunity for college athletes to gain exposure for themselves as a brand. On July 1st, Jackson State's Jackson State defensive end transfer Antoine Owens signed a deal with black-owned hair company Three Kings Grooming, becoming the first college athlete to sign a NIL deal. Tennessee State freshman basketball player Percy Miller, son of le- legendary rap masterpiece, signed a $2 million deal with tech company Web Apps America. Also, Prairie View A&M women's soccer player Reagan Scott signed a deal with Green Prince Gear, DPG brand. Former Clark Atlanta wide receiver Johnson Sanders spoke about the importance of HBCU athletes taking advantage of their NIL rank. While I played football, I still worked a full-time job, he said. It was a stressful situation. They could just make the money, go to school, and play football. But there you have some more news pertaining to HBCU, which is one of the things I said I would do my best to cover because I know in these parts where I'm at, it's not covered. So why not cover it myself on my podcast? Hopefully I will shed some light on some things that you may or may not know about. And looking at some more HBCU news. Tuskegee, that name should be very familiar sounding. Because I know you heard about the Tuskegee Airmen. So, speaking of Tuskegee, probably saying that real fast a couple of times. Anyway, Tuskegee has released their 2021 football schedule, and they will kick off the 2021 season against Port Valley State in the inaugural Red Tails Classic. So let me give you that. The Tuskegee University football program will be back in action this fall for an 11-game schedule, which was announced by Director of Athletics and Head Coach Willie Slater on Friday. The Golden Tigers will play five of their 11 football games at the Shed on the TU campus. Tuskegee will kick off its 2021 campaign on Sunday, September 5th, against SIAC Eastern Division foe Port Valley State in a non-conference matchup in the inaugural Red Tails Classic being played at the Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, Alabama. The game will be played in honor of the Tuskegee Airmen, the legendary black military aviators who served in World War II. The Golden Tigers continue their non-conference slate at home September 11th as they welcome Gulf South Conference foe the University of West Alabama. TU remains at home on September 18th to take on Edward Waters University. TU travels to Mobile, Alabama the next week on September 25th for the Gulf Coast Challenge as they face SWAC member Alabama A&M University. Tuskegee returns home to the friendly confines of the Seattle on October 2nd to take on Clark Atlanta University in a SIAC matchup. The Golden Tigers head up the road to Birmingham, Alabama on October 9th as they continue their long-time rivalry against the Maroon Tigers in the Morehouse Tuskegee football classic being played at Legion Field. Next week, Tuskegee travels to Ohio on October 16th as they do battle against Central State University in their first 
SIAC Western Division game of the season in Wilberforce, Ohio. TU returns for its annual homecoming game on October 23rd when it welcomes Lane College. The Golden Tigers remain at home to close out the season on October 30th when they host Kentucky State University Senior Day. The Golden Tigers head up the road for a game against defending SIAC champion Miles College on November the 6th in Birmingham, Alabama. Tuskegee closes out their season when they return to play Thursday, November 25th, as they renew their rivalry against Alabama State University in the annual Turkey Day Classic in Montgomery, Alabama. So, as you can see, this pretty much was dedicated to my HBCU Black College Sports. Want to share some love on them, and hopefully you will enjoy this podcast. What I'm going to do here is I am going to take another break. And when I come back, I will get back into the mainstream sports. So, remain seated. The train is not come to a stop. As a matter of fact, the train is building up ahead of steam. So, stay tuned to the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. We will be back with more after these messages. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. We'll get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. This is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Back, we have our final segment to get to. It should be lengthy. Uh, as you know, football world lost the legend last week. It's still being talked about. The legendary Bobby Bowden laid the rest, and the celebration of life was remembered by numerous people 
And basically what we're going to do, we're going to, something I normally don't do, I normally don't have them this long, but I'm going to do it as an exception. I have a clip I'm going to play, and then I'm going to get on into the story. So hopefully you can enjoy this. It's about four minutes long, so just bear with me. On the first play of the game, show that guy what a tough day he's going to have. He's got to know that he's going through 60 minutes of hell if he stays out there. He's the kind of a guy that when he walks in a room, you know he's there. He sort of radiates. I mean, man, I want you to hit him so hard, that official's going to scratch his head of whether that was a necessary roughness. I've never met anybody, and I mean anybody, more comfortable in his own skin. Long before Bobby Bowden became one of the winningest coaches in college football, he was a quarterback at Howard College in Birmingham, Alabama in 1949. But the on-field role wasn't enough for Bowden. Earl Gartman was our coach. And Earl didn't have any assistance. He would just turn the backfield over to Bobby. So Bobby just kind of was an assistant coach while he was playing. He was learning the insides about football and soaking everything up. And certainly he knew that when he played in college, coaching is where he wanted to be. His first head coaching job came in 1956 at South Georgia Junior College, where he was also the athletic director, track coach, head baseball, and head basketball coach. In 1963, Bowden got his chance at the big time, joining Florida State as wide receivers coach. Following a switch to West Virginia, where he worked his way up to head coach, he returned to Florida State in 1976 to run a Seminole program that had won just four games in its previous three seasons. What he accomplished in his next 34 seasons was nothing short of remarkable. Bowden won 21 bowl games, including an NCAA record 11-game streak spanning the 80s and 90s. Third and 10 from the 22. But he endured devastating back-to-back -back defeats versus Miami in 1991 and 92. It's up. Just to the right. Bowden would recover to win his first national title the following year. And he hooked it left. Florida State wins. A second title in 1999 capped a decade in which the Seminoles won 109 games. Bowden did more for Florida State than any coach has ever done for any school. As his career went on and they became so potent, going to Florida State and wearing the gold helmet, it became the coolest place in America to play football. When you mix that with Bobby's personality, it was just an almost undefeatable force. Throughout his career, Bowden maintained that wins weren't the only measure of his success as a coach. There's so many good challenges in coaching. You know, I, I don't know of anything more fulfilling than working with young men, trying to help them be better athletes, but also be better persons. During his tenure, Florida State had its share of off-field controversies. Bowden says he always tried to remain compassionate towards even his most troublesome players. The thing I don't believe in doing is not giving a kid a second chance. You see, because when I was coming up, if somebody hadn't given me a second chance, I don't know where I'd have been, you know? But somebody did. In Bowden's final 10 seasons as head coach, Florida State won only five of its 10 bowl games. After announcing his retirement in December of 2009, Bowden fittingly coached his team to one last victory on New Year's Day, 2010. 
I don't think the college football system as it exists now will allow for the emergence of another Bobby Bowden. He came into his own in a relatively uncynical age of college football where a coach can kind of quietly build his expertise and his program. He'll be one of the very rare coaches who's almost solely responsible for turning a non-football power into one of the great football powers of the latter half of the 20th century. I wish that every boy that played for me after I'm gone would say, he helped me with my spiritual life. He helped me to get along with people. He helped me become a success. I guess that would be more meaningful to me than anything. And that was Bobby Bowden. And even though sometimes media... New customers get our best deals on all smartphones. That's right. But what if I'm already a customer? Oh, no problem. Hey, Cam. There. Ah. Same deal. Yeah. It's kind of our thing. Oh. Here we go. Bobby Bowden wasn't just about, as you heard that last snippet, wasn't just about wins and losses, but beyond the field, shaping men. He was very devout in his faith, but yet he wasn't overbearing and just pushing it off on people, but yet you still respected the man where he stood, and you knew that his faith was very important to him. So as we look back, uh, I did a segment on Bobby Bowden on one of my other platforms. But Bobby Bowden, remembered by former FSU football stars Warwick Dunn, Derek Brooks, Charlie Ward. When Warwick Dunn arrived at Florida State in 1993, he had just lost his mother and worried about how he would care for his siblings back home in Louisiana. But there was something about the way Coach Bobby Bowden made him feel at ease, and it had nothing to do with football. Looking back, Coach Bowden saw something in me that no one else saw done, said during a ceremony honoring Bowden's life. He believed in me, and that's a powerful thing for an 18-year-old who's just trying to figure out life. Coach is the type of man who uses faith and wisdom to shape boys into men. Boy, do we need some more people like him. Speaker after speaker who took the stage Saturday relayed the same message before going nearly all talk about Bowden's legendary football coaching career to share why Bowden was a man they loved and respected. Every antidote and story focused on Bowden's faith, his belief system, and the way he showed care and compassion for his players, his coaches, and above all else, his family. Bowden died a Bowden died August 8th at age 91 of pancreatic cancer, but the event inside the Florida State Basketball Arena was a celebration of his life more than anything. More than 300 former players and coaches came to pay their respects, including Peter Warwick, Terrell Buckley, Derek Brooks, Charlie Ward, Brad Johnson, and Chris Winkie. Also in attendance were Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney, USF coach Jeff Scott and Texas A&M coach Jimbo Fisher, who succeeded Bowden as Florida State coach and spent eight seasons as the Seminoles coach, winning the national title in 2013. Fisher arranged his team's practice schedule in order to attend and reflected back on the way his career so so detailed with Bowden's. His relationship with the family dates back to 1984 when he and Bowden's son, Terry, played at Salem College together. 
before Fisher arrived to Sanford, where Bobby Bowden went to school. Fisher served as Florida State offensive coordinator under Bobby Bowden before becoming head coach. He was a great mentor, Fisher said. What he and his family mean to me in my career and the things I've been able to accomplish, the things they taught me and the exposure I had to doing things right with the best person in the history of the game that's ever been done, I'm so blessed to be able to have that relationship. When Fisher moved on to Texas A&M after the 2017 season, Bowden still kept up with his career. An avid newspaper reader, Bowden got a subscription to the Houston Chronicle so he could keep up. On stage, Brooks shared one of his favorite memories of his time playing at Florida State. When he got called into Bowden's office for the first time as a freshman, Brooks had no idea what he did wrong, and neither did anybody else. Brooks walked nervously in to see Bowden, who told him how disappointed he was that Brooks wasn't living up to his potential. Surprised at the words, Brooks asked if he was absolutely sure he got the right player. Bowden said yes. Then he pulled out Brooks' grades from the first semester. Bowden pointed at the C Brooks got in biology, noting it was the first time in his life he got a C. Suddenly, Brooks heard another voice, his mother screaming profanities from the speakerphone. He hung that phone up and said, oh, my God, Derek, you better get it together, Brooks said. That gummit, I don't want her to come down here to whoop your butt and mine at the same time. So you better figure this out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that does talk a little bit after that. Brooks said that story shows why he loved Bowden so much. He was going to make sure Brooks lived up his potential in every aspect of his life. When they spoke two and a half weeks ago, Bowden told him, Derek, if God gave me 10 minutes or 10 years, I'm at peace. But more important, I want you to continue changing lives in the community. And dadgummit, make sure you keep hugging your babies. Don pointed out that the Bowden legacy, football legacy is like no other, but also mentioned Three Florida State players won the NFL Walker Peyton Man of the Year Award for their service to their communities, himself, Brooks, and Quan Bowden, a reflection of Bowden himself. There was some football talk sprinkled in. Ward, who played, who helped Bowden and Florida State win their first national title in 1993, mentioned the three P's he lives by to this day, which Bowden taught him preparation, perseverance, patience. He relayed a story about perseverance from his junior season when he threw 17 interceptions, including four in a win over Clemson. Adversity was something he helped me to overcome because he supported me when I was throwing the football to the wrong team a lot, my junior season war said. Yes, he had his doubts, but I'm grateful he allowed me to fail and come back to redeem myself. He had the faith in me to keep pushing me forward, but reminded me in that Clemson game that we were wearing white, not orange. Several of Brooks' children also spoke. His daughter, Ginger, read a letter that Bowden wrote to his future wife, Anne, on March 10, 1929, in which he expresses his love for her. She spoke about her parents' 72-year marriage before a video montage played of the two of them while someone sang, Wind Beneath My Wing. The montage closed with a photo of Anne holding Bobby Bowden's hand during one of his final days. Tommy Bowden and Terry Bowden, who went into coaching thanks to their dad also spoke. Terry relayed the message he recently gave to his ULM football team, one he learned time and again from his father. Make football a priority, not the priority. 
football is what allowed Bowden to impact all those around him. And it is why the family made the celebration open to the public. After a 34-year career with the Seminoles, there seemed to be only one fitting way to end the day. With the FSU marching chiefs screaming into the arena, playing the school song and the war chat one last time for their coach. So this will bring this train to a stop, but I hope you have enjoyed today's podcast. This is your conductor, Anthony Smith. And I hope I've brought some insight on some things, and hopefully you have enjoyed this. And as you listen to this podcast, feel free to download, share it, like it, uh, share it to people that I might not be able to reach. Get some feedback. Leave me some feedback. I enjoy doing what I'm doing, and I hope you enjoy it. But until the next time this train is pulling into the station, you may now unbuckle your seatbelts. You may now exit stage left but whatever you do keep the tickets because the tickets are reusable and they're free so until the next time take care of yourself and each other have a blessed weekend this is A-Tron